Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What's happening? I am Mark Marin. This is WTF, my podcast. Welcome to all who are listening. Thank you for coming. On the show today, Brian Kiley. This is a comedian that I've known literally since I started doing comedy the first time I did open mics, I think, in college. Brian Kiley was there in Boston. He's been a writer on the Conan O'Brien show since I, about the beginning of the Conan O'Brien show. Uh, he's got a book out now. It's a, a, a novel, uh, The Astounding Misadventures of Rory Collins, and you can get that where you get books. We're talking to him. In a couple minutes, Brian Posehn is going to stop by because he's got a new movie out. We're going to talk to him a bit. I'll tell you about the play in a minute because it was. I've been going to a lot of theater lately. Well, well at least three plays in the last six months, and uh, I, I love it. I, I just uh, th- There's an experience available in a theater, in a in a play, at a play, if it's good, that is unlike anything else. Like I'm immediately just ripped open, just just by virtue of being in a in a goddamn theater where people are about to take the stage. There's a there's an expectation there. There's an excitement to it. There's there's risk. There's danger to some degree that actual humans are going to be occupying that space up there and moving through something emotionally. I'm just always blown away. Now, obviously, bad theater experiences are bad. <laughs> and the experience of, of that risk and that vulnerability uh, can work against the actual experience that you're supposed to be having if, uh, if it ain't working. But I went to see a show, The Humans, by a guy named Stephen Karam. And it was uh, devastating. And this is the interesting thing about theater. I mean, I, I, can, I can tell you it was a great play and I can tell you it was bleak in a lot of ways, but uh, incredibly human, like bleak in the most human way possible. And it all takes place in one long act, hour and a half or so at a Thanksgiving dinner. And the stuff that was covered, it was so like raw just the human relationships that were on that stage were so familiar the way they were set up and the way that it sort of moved through these conversations there was a bleakness to it and this is everyday stuff really i i don't know if i would call it a tragedy because it was all sort of lifted by the fact that that there was a family and there was humanity and there was humility and there was a uh, some humor 
Like, I don't even know if it's like, if it's uplifting, but I get uplifted by weird things. I mean, I, you know, one of, I thought that, you know, Shortcuts by Robert Altman was one of the most uplifting films ever made about people. So I thought it was uplifting in, in the sort of persistence of these characters and how well-defined they were in all their flaws and, and, and sort of what barely sort of held them together was, was the, the humanity of it. I, I don't need, it's hard for me to even explain it, but but it was pretty. It was pretty amazing, and I and I didn't really know. Uh, it was dr- directed by Joe Montello. I think that's how you say his name. He's done a lot of stuff. The cast was Reed, Bernie, Jane, Howdy, Shell, Casey Beck, Sarah Steele, Lauren Klein, and Arian Moed. And uh, it was just a, it was like a, a daughter who was moving in with her boyfriend in New York in Chinatown. It was the sister uh, who was a, a, a gay woman who had recently broken up with her uh, lover, her significant other. It was their parents. And then the grandmother who, is, who has Alzheimer's and is just sort of mentally incapacitated throughout the show. And it's just sort of the evolution of, of, of the dialogue around that family, around who they are and their own personal weaknesses and illnesses and, and what they endure. And it's, it, there are funny parts, but it's definitely not a comedy, but it's, it's powerful, man. It's bleak and beautiful. And the ending is completely uh, is, uh, theatrical and, and bizarre. Uh, I recommend it highly. I don't see enough young people when I go to the theater, and I think you should engage. I, I know we've all get, gotten very acclimated to, to, uh, to seeing sketch or, or, or improv. That's the theatrical experience of the new generation. It's like you go see an improv show. But to see a well-constructed play move through the emotions and the arc of a story certainly in one setting is, is pretty profound. But I, I guess the message I got is that I hang a lot of, of my analysis and, and, and thoughts around the idea that we're all terrified, existentially terrified of dying. And that's why a lot of our behavior is what it is. And that may be true, but I don't know if it is as powerful as the existential fear of living. And I... I <laughs> I look. I don't want to get all heavy because we've got a fun show here, you know. But I know there's some bad things in the world. There's some bad things in all of us. <laughs> but this 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 play really sort of handles it well and floats. You know, there there is a a a sort of a, a buoyancy to the uh, to the pain of this play. It was it's called the Humans, and it's at the uh, it's at the Roundabout. So if you're in the New York area, I recommend it. I've be, I'm becoming a champion of the theater. So. Brian Posehn, friend of the show, friend of mine, love him. Uh, remember him when he started back in uh, back in San Francisco. He wanted, He's got a new movie coming out. It's exciting for him. He's he's the lead in the movie. It's called Uncle Nick. It's produced by documentary film legend Earl Morris, and you can see it in theaters starting tomorrow, Friday, December fourth. Uh, but right now, let's talk to 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 the very funny uh, Brian Posehn about uh, about his new movie. Uncle Nick, and also about Mr. Show and about comedy and about maybe a little bit about his kid. Let's see how it goes. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English 
English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. Let's make sure I do it right. Brian Posehn. <laughs> that's amazing. It's right, I, right? Yeah, I let you get. I let you do something else for twenty years or so. Poussein. Yeah, you always did poo, and I never corrected you. What, what's happening now? Outside of this movie, we're about to talk about. What are you doing? I uh, just got off the road. You did for how literally how many uh, dates? Yesterday, I was in D.C. How was Saturday it? Saturday, I was in D.C. Arlington Draft House. Always Great. fun. What'd you do? Four shows. Five. Five shows. Yeah, it's nice. So like a movie theater. It's tiered seating. It's great. And great they, crowds. They, they can have a drink. Yes. But it's not a bar, per no. se, and the people there are thrilled to have comedy there, yeah. and they're it's not all one jaded. Of the best. It's one of my favorite places to still Oh, play. that's great. Where else There's a handful go? of places I still like going to. Yeah. I was in uh, another one before that. It was in Denver the week before. An Arlington uh, Draft House? Uh, oh. Yeah, the week before that, I was in uh, Denver and Comedy No, those Works. are two great rooms. You must feel like yeah. a fucking rock star right now. Yeah, those are great. <laughs> yeah, you're only as funny as your last shows, and my last shows no. are pretty good. Yeah, so. but in Denver, you almost feel like there's something wrong. I'm doing so Yeah. <laughs> I was sick. There's Not a- phoning it in, because I don't phone it in when yeah. I'm sick, but like when I wasn't on stage, I was sweating and coughing yeah. and just yeah. and then I get on stage and I powered through those sets and you know Killed, I killed right it- crushed it's like, yeah it's like electric in there yeah. and you're like you got i'm not this funny let's right. just tone it down a little bit i don't want to, have yeah, to fuck yeah, this yeah. up just so i feel like i'm at the proper level uh, yeah when i'm in grand rapids or wherever else <laughs> and how's the kid he's awesome man he's a six-year-old little person oh and, really uh, yeah funny little dude yeah i uh, went to his first show this year where it took him to see weird al you did uh, yeah how do you like it loved it yeah is he wearing uh, black concert tees? Uh, sometimes, but you know what? He knows the bands. Like if you if you went up to him and went, "Yeah, what ACDC song do you like?" He'd tell you. Which you know? one does he like? He likes a bunch of them. <laughs> Old ones. Bon Scott? Uh, uh, yeah, he's kind of all over the place. Um, the, we've done more work on, and now Rush is the latest thing. Why is Rush seeing this amazing resurgence? Well, I've loved Rush my whole life. I find, and, and he. I kind of kept it away from him because that's Why? well too, too much. Well, it's I, yeah, a lot I just of stuff going like on. I I I would always play the basics in the car. I started him off. I mean, with the idea of I don't want this kid to like pop music, and so far he doesn't. Right, like, uh, right. So a lot of ACDC, okay, a lot of Black Sabbath, yeah, Zeppelin, yeah, Beatles, yeah, he was born of the Beatles, okay. And, good, those are good choices. And that's kind of. It for the beginning on oh, the Ramones. Okay. And then uh It's gotta like the Ramones. Wife, my wife played the cars for him a couple of years ago. He got go? into the cars. He That's really good. liked that. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. And so we're keeping a you know a solid base. Uh-huh. And then now he knows that Daddy likes these other bands almost more. He like knows Metallica? that Rush, Metallica, Pantera. Uh-huh. So he asked me about those bands. And it's awesome. <laughs> like he's a little dude, but he knows that this is something that Daddy so you sat him feels down? a lot of passion for. Sat him down with 2112? No, you know what I did is uh, 
he's into the Peanuts movie, uh-huh. and somebody on the internet took that old Rush song Xanadu yeah. and did it with the Peanuts uh, from old specials. Oh, you're sneaking it in. And he loved it. Right. And then I'm playing a moving pictures one day, and he goes, it ends, and he goes, Daddy, I kind of want to hear Xanadu. Can you play Xanadu? That's my favorite Rush song. And I'm like, all right, man. <laughs> Without the peanuts. Yeah, I can definitely play Xanadu for you. And he still dug it. Like, he dug it just listening. I have a uh, you know, nice turntable set up in our, uh, in our little library. And, yeah. and he and I will do Legos in there. And then it's always records. me playing spinning records while we're building Legos. That's sweet. It's, dude... I couldn't love it more, man. Oh, it's my, my favorite part. And and wait, Metallica? You have... Not that much yet, but he knows yeah. they're around. I mean, if they're if you're in my office, <laughs> if you walk out of my door, there's a picture of James Hetfield flipping everybody off. So right, uh, he knows it's, about it's, him. It's and... a lot for me to wrap my head around Metallica. Metallica? Yeah, I, I was just I you know I like him. I had Trujillo in here last week. Uh-huh. I plugged the Jocko movie. He's a great guy. Oh wow, yeah. Uh, and he, you know, he's played with Ozzy. He's right, a great right, guy. Right. That Robert, he's a really Trujillo. nice dude. Yeah, you, yeah. you met him? Oh yeah, yeah, sweet guy, right? Yeah, yeah. I love that guy. But like, I don't listen to a lot of Metallica. I almost bought a, a Metallica record today, except they didn't have any. It had a lot of Megadeth, uh-huh. which I I can listen to Megadeth. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little more technical, uh, yeah. Than uh, Metallica's straight ahead and just more kick ass. Like I can I, feel the the weight of it for you. Metallica's the thing, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, it's it's well, really, it's Rush, Iron Maiden, and Metallica because they all made huge impacts on me when I was a kid. And and uh, how about Iron Maiden? That he must like those covers. Iron Maiden. Oh, oh, the kid. I haven't played much of that. Um, he hears it like we have Sirius on when he's in the van. Yeah, and so the, it'll come on, and Daddy will like turn it up a little. Yeah, and he can read. You know, he's reading now, so okay. he'll read the whole thing and go, "Daddy, this Iron Maiden, Eddie, right?" And yeah. I'm like, "Yeah, yeah. man, Eddie." <laughs> yeah, man. Is he playing an instrument? Uh, he is. Yeah. Uh, he's playing the piano. Really? And then we got him a little squire. And oh. uh, I'm going to get him an amp for Christmas because he's been plugging into my amp just recently uh-huh. and loves it. He, he's he got a band. He calls himself Organic Submarine. Wow. Yeah, and Interesting. Writes, <laughs> he made that up. Not a metal name. No, not at all. <laughs> but I just, uh, I just want my kid to be musical. I mean, that was really kind of important to me. Does he have a sense of it? You feel like he is? Absolutely. Yeah. The piano teacher said he had a perfect pitch and uh, my wife can sing and I can't. Wow, it's all working out. It's going good. Yeah. When I'm home, those parts are awesome. I hope to God at 14 he doesn't decide, like, I'm playing football. Yeah, there's so many things. Or Yeah, it's not even football. I don't hate sports, Yeah, but there's other things. Like, I think if he said, Daddy, I like Sublime, I'd be like, fuck you. Yeah, yeah. Got to move out early. (laughs) Yeah, stuff like that. (laughs) Give me back the guitar. Yeah, or political things, too. If you 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 went a certain way, that might piss me off a little more. That's going to take longer. A little more than being a jock. I think you know what I did to you can, rebel? You can, you can negotiate that stuff away. I rebelled against my mom in high school. Yeah. As soon as I was able to vote, I voted for Reagan that year. Why? Because my mom was such a liberal. And, uh, you How know, do you feel yeah, about Sonoma. that? Just, I feel guilty. I mean, I'm telling you because I think it's funny. Yeah. Because it was kind of the high school dick of like, and I was yeah. just a total metal kid yeah. trying to grow my hair. Yeah. And I knew my mom would hate that I voted for Reagan, so and I fucking did. Did you tell her? absolutely in her face like came home with the i voted sticker like yeah you voted for the dude you hate suck it now have you told this story before is this no that's new it's all right so this is a confession yeah pretty much and uh where it's out you have that way of getting that out of people (laughs) that's your big one that's That's a big big, one for me it is big but it was like rebelling against her because against a liberal mom i get it she worked for the state 
she hated Jerry Brown. She hated, you know. Real lefty. Yeah, so still you, is. And you were mad at her. I was. All right. Well, it's, are you okay with her now? Yeah, I love her. Yeah, okay. She's right. awesome. She so supports you So how do you want to make up for this mistake? I think you're doing it already. The kid sounds good. You do yeah. good deeds in the world. Sure. <laughs> you're I'll send in her... <laughs> Uh, what do they call the ballots where the, where you're not there? The, yeah, her absentee? Yeah, I'll send that in for Trump. Well, okay. no, no, that would work. Yeah, that would be, make it worse. <laughs> it would make it worse. How do I undo it? Yeah, yeah. how do you undo it? <laughs> I, I don't, don't know. know. So Maybe I, come what? clean to her this weekend when she's at my house. Well, she knew that. You did, you she know. does, but I mean, come tell her that apologize. I feel bad now. Yeah, yeah. Go, yeah, she knows I didn't give a shit about Reagan. Right. <laughs> but, now, well, but now like I think a lot of people are like, well, it's kind of your fault, Brian. That, that, <laughs> oh, yeah, that he, <laughs> yeah, that that he got won. that second term. Yeah, that one. That was that one vote. It was <laughs> yeah, a joke yeah. vote. It yeah. was a fuck you vote. Right. All right, so you're a movie star now. Is that what's happening? No. <laughs> oh, come on. I'm trying to build it up. Thanks, man. Uh, you're the you're the lead. I am the lead guy in a new a Christmas movie in almost every single scene. Yeah, and uh, holy so shit! If, so if you like that, <laughs> if holy you like shit. me, and and you and you have an hour and a half, it's called of Uncle, watching Uncle me. Nick. Uncle Nick. How uh, long did how how was the experience for you? How long did it take to shoot? Uh, we banged it out in a couple of weeks. Shot it in Pasadena. Two weeks. Uh, yeah, it was. Cause what was it? total indie? Uh, not that's much like money. Total, total. Indie. Yeah, but we shot it in one house and kind of made it look like a couple different houses. But it's really only, it. The whole movie takes place in one night. Uh huh. The whole story is I'm Uncle Nick. Um, my uh, to this girl, my yeah. brother, who's a total douche. I hate him. What type of douche? Uh, just pretty boy dick, just uh -huh. smug. I took on the family business, which is and worked my ass off. Uh, um, uh, landscaping. Uh huh. And uh, after my dad passed and mm -hmm. my mom passed, mm -hmm. I took over everything. He didn't do anything. He uh, was a, a bartender. And uh -huh. I, I really looked down on him and hate him mm -hmm. and uh, have all this animosity. And it was a lot of fun to play because <laughs> I don't have any siblings, but it was fun to but have But you that. have the animosity. Oh, yeah. I can be a total <laughs> dick. So it was nice to yeah. channel that into somebody. And uh, so he marries Paget Brewster, uh, our friend, and... and uh, hot lady and she already has two kids she has a 16 year old son and a 20 year old daughter a 19 year old daughter uh -huh. and i get a crush on the daughter at the wedding and the whole time i'm thinking your stepneys yeah oh, so good. at christmas i'm gonna make this shit happen i've been talking to her on facebook it's super creepy it yeah. starts off where i don't know if i like this guy <laughs> yeah and i love that like reading yeah. that i was yeah. that appealed to me more sure. than anything that seems honest <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah yeah so without spoiling much uh does it end happily it does <laughs> it has a good ending and it's earned i feel and there's funny moments and there's some shit where you find out what my character's gone through yeah i have this you know kind of drunk rant at oh. the table and kind of uh you know holy shit some sadness about what my character went through and it was one of the hardest things i've ever done to, to perform it yeah because i had to cry and i had to uh bring up some dark stuff wow and, uh, it was a lot of fun though really acting i was it's yeah, fucking yeah great dude I, I did the whole thing i got a um how'd you get involved you got i coach? got an acting coach yeah? and yeah so how'd you get involved with this movie well uh these guys wrote it together uh this guy mike dembski and chris Kasich was going to direct it mm -hmm. and they were producing it together it was a uh, dembski's idea and Chris wanted to direct a movie. And then really early on, they thought of me. 
And then, you know, Jerry Duggan, my buddy, who I wrote Deadpool with for years. He, you've seen him in the scene. He's not a comedian, but he's been around. Did he write? I, yeah, I know Jerry. Yeah, he's yeah. a writer, right? Yeah, he's yeah, more yeah. writer. Now he's writing Deadpool on his own. He's uh, a good friend of mine. And he talked to them and, and uh, said that he would produce it with them and try to get me to do it. And just a total posane, like, they sent me the script. I didn't read it for a couple of weeks uh. because I was just like, I don't know, you know. <laughs> and he's like, dude, and finally it took him just going, you asshole, they wrote this with you in mind, man. They really want you. It doesn't you. happen that often. Yeah, yeah. It never. Yeah. And, the, and, dude, do you think I didn't whine like every time one of my friends gets another movie, you know? Here we and go. I'm like, you know what I mean? Patton's been handed another. I didn't say Patton. <laughs> <laughs> you motherfucker. <laughs> but yeah, when Patton did Big Fan, you know, there was a little bit of like, no, I want a big fan. Oh, sure. Like, you Oscar know? thoughts about Patton? No. <laughs> and then and then this comes up. It's on my computer for me to very easily read. It took Avoid me it. weeks. And it, it finally was Jerry going, you know, Jerry knows how to talk to me. Yeah. He's like, don't be a fucking asshole. Just listen, read it. If you don't like it, read a couple pages it's and weird. get back to me. Do this now. It's weird, that fundamental insecurity thing. Like, you know, because yeah. you want to do something like that, but there's that your for initial- the last 10 years, I've right. been waiting for it. <laughs> and then there's that initial instinct. It's like, nah, it's probably not going to, I'm yeah. not going to do it. It's probably going to yeah. suck. And- oh, yeah. And the whole time we were shooting it, I'm like, this is going to blow. <laughs> you know, every, you know, No joy. Yeah. Post saying no joy. Right. Yeah. But it was a great experience. It was, and, and I'm super proud of it. It's nice. The guy was his first movie. Yeah. So everyone's learning. Everyone's very collaborative. Yeah, for sure. Improvising and a then bit. And uh, we got to bring some funny people. I was involved in the casting. like So I was the first person cast, and then he was like, who do you see as your sister? And yeah. we talked about that, and we talked about another friend of ours as my sister. Didn't happen. Yeah. And then Missy Pyle came up. It was actually my wife going, what about Missy Pyle? And I'm going, Oh my God, that's yeah. perfect. Yeah, yeah. Like tall, she would be the attractive one in the family, I, obviously. Yeah. But uh, the brother, the guy playing my brother, already is more attractive. So Who's I'm, that the, guy? I'm the black sheep. Uh, this guy, Bo Ballinger, uh, he's actually uh, Chris's cousin. Okay. But uh, don't he let did that a good deter job? you. He killed it. Yeah, he did really good, and he played. He's supposed to be. I'm unlikable, but he winds up being the biggest douche in the movie. Oh man! So yeah. yeah, he did really well. So you're you're like an unlikable underdog guy that's not wouldn't be likable uh, in most contexts. Yes, but somehow compared to uh, the situation, this other guy and your yeah. own and what happens, and I imagine, you'll see. I won't give away right, some your, stuff that your, he does. Your moral struggle. Yes. Yes. Yeah, for uh, the first time ever. <laughs> not even in real life or movies have I had a moral struggle ever. Finally. Yeah. Finally. And well, then uh, Scott Adsit, we had come in and play uh, um, uh, my sister's husband. And he's funny. He's all right. And uh, and, and he's, he's he's terrible to be around. I don't know if you know him. He's such a dick. <laughs> no, he's, no, he's the nicest, nicest guy, guy in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you told me that Earl Morris produced it, the yes. documentarian. He's an odd guy. How did he get involved? Because uh, he knew Chris. Chris had done some documentary work for him before. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they hooked up, and Chris, he wanted to see it. And it does have a, a through line of, um, you're, are you a baseball guy at all? No. I didn't know it, but I guess, uh, so it takes place in Cleveland. Yeah. And I guess there's a famous Cleveland Indians game uh, in the 70s or 60s, maybe, uh, where it was 10 cent beer night. Uh-huh. And it turned into a crazy riot. I think I and know about so this. And yeah. so I tell, I narrate that story 
throughout, and it kind of intertwines with the the story that I'm going through. Sounds like an interesting movie. It's cool, man. Well, I'm proud of you, man. I'm happy for you. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, and let's uh, let's talk about when when does it open? December what? Uh, December 4th and 5th that weekend. It's uh, it's doing some midnight shows in some cities. When does it drop on iTunes and uh, everything else, Netflix? I think almost right at, if not that same day, right after. It's wild how it all happens at the same time. Yeah. Just see the fucking movie. Right. Yeah. I would say seeing it in a theater. I think it would be fun. And it's doing some midnight showings in some cities. And uh, Does it have the potential to be like a Christmas cult movie? I don't know. All right. I You know, I don't like anything I do. I, all right. I, 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 it was a bad question for you to pretend yeah. like something I'd was love, going on. <laughs> uh, but I'm always the last guy to, fit, you know, to no. know. Unless it's stuff like other people's stuff where I've been involved, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, Mr. Yeah. Show, uh, yeah, Sarah right. Silverman, those I'm just, things. I, I'm over here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're the main people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I how bad I don't go? make this suck. How uh, is Bob and David? You guys have you seen them? I just saw them the other day. I, I posted uh, a little thing with them uh, uh, the other day. But uh, they had a, it seemed like everyone had a good time. We did, man. We had a blast. And, you know, fingers crossed. I, I think it's. You know, I don't know how numbers work at Netflix and that kind of thing. Yeah, but no one does. Yeah, Netflix doesn't know. <laughs> they know. But uh, <laughs> hopefully they pick us up, and then we go back after Bob finishes uh, Better Call Saul again. Uh, he's, yeah. He's out there doing that right now. And then uh, I want to do more because uh, those are, I, you know, you know how I, I've talked to you about how I feel about both those guys. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They help me out a lot. I mean, yeah. I, I owe everything really to them yeah. I mean, because – stand up and all that other stuff i was doing it before but that put that me was in this it stuff. yeah and they're good it's and still my favorite job yeah. working for those two dudes and was it good to see everybody it absolutely was and everyone's okay yeah man well there's none of the we're all grown-ups now i know I there there was a little bit of weirdness but not like the old days sure no, no pencils were thrown and no feet right. were stomped was dino there too yes no shit yeah, of course yeah yeah he had he has to be Oh, that's crazy. Those guys love him, and so do I. I got to watch those fucking things. I got to watch your movie. I got to watch it. I got a lot of things to do. Trying to remember if Dino got on camera. I think he snuck on in one thing or two, but uh, he's behind the scenes through the whole thing. Like, that guy. Yeah. 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 He wrote a thing with Scott Atzett that, uh, the cunt sketch. Oh, it's good. uh, We'll just call it that? (laughs) You'll know what I mean. (laughs) Okay. Well, great, man. Good luck with it, Brian. Thanks, buddy. Brian Posehn, I, I wish him uh, the best this Christmas season. I'm very excited that he, he got that part. It sounds like it was fun. He sounds great. I love talking to him. Now we've got another Brian. This is the tale of two Brians today. Brian Kiley, as I said, we started together. We genuinely, I mean, we were really doing open mics together. And uh, I look like I've aged. He looks like he has not. This is actually a, a great conversation. It, it, I've always uh, loved Brian a lot. He's always been a, a, a you know stand-up dude and a great stand-up comic, and it was great to have him in here. I'm full of the greats today. I'm full of the greats today. His new uh, his new novel, The Astounding Misadventures of Rory Collins, you can get anywhere, uh, wherever you get books. But right now, uh, we'll talk to uh, to novelist and Conan O'Brien writer and stand-up comedian Brian Kiley. Who's like what president biographies do you read? Well, I'm a, I I love like LBJ and I love Nixon. Oh really? Uh, partly because they're from my childhood, you know. But also they're such characters like Truman and Ike and even JFK or whatever. They're still kind of normal guys. Uh huh. 
those guys, you're like, well, no one would do that. Right, do, right. They both do shit, like, in t- diff- totally different ways, but they both do things where you're like, no no one acts like that. Right. And I just love the way they're such characters, you know? Who, uh, who uh, LBJ and Nixon? Yeah. And they were they were on the other uh, opposite sides. Opposite sides. I guess that's right. They were part of our... How old are you? I'm um, 53. I'm going to be 52. Well, I'll be 54 in a month. Oh, really? Yeah. So you're two years older than me. Yeah. But we, when we were kids, Nixon was everywhere. Everywhere. Cartoons. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And you, ne- I didn't. I, I never found him, uh, I, I think I was fascinated with him when I was a kid, but I think it was a, kind of a morbid fascination. I don't remember finding him impressive. Oh, no, no. I'm not a, I'm not a fan, Although, but I'm, I am fascinated by him. I remember yeah. caricatures more than I remember the actual guy. Sure, sure. Like Mad Magazine and, and like just seeing the, the pictures of him with the big nose. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Tricky dick. So I always, in my mind, even when I was a little kid, he's like, you know, this guy's kind of slimy. Yeah. Well, there was that, there was a cartoon, it was like a cartoon show called like Wait Till Father Gets Home or something mm-hmm. like that. And the next door neighbor was Nixon. (laughs) Really? Yes. And I remember seeing it as a kid and thinking, this is a really intellectual, smart show. And then I saw it when I was like in my 30s at the Museum of Television, and it was incredibly bad. (laughs) Really? Oh, yeah. And I was like, the Museum of Television. Yeah. So when you lived in New York, you you made that. I would go there. I would, yeah. I I went there frequently. You did? Mm hmm. Because, well, that's it. Well, that's the interesting thing. Like, you've been writing for Conan since almost the beginning, right? Yeah. I started six months in. So ninety four, mm-hmm. that's amazing. Well, yeah, it's ninety four. So that's 20, 20. March, March. The Ides of March in nineteen ninety four. So twenty two years, almost. Yeah, it, yeah, it'll be twenty two years in next March. That you've been a Conan writer. Yeah, mostly monologue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'll help out with the other stuff, but that's my main focus. Yeah, and the the thing is, we started together, yes. kind of. Right. Right. We no, we, we really. But, I did. mean, we've known each other whatever, almost thirty years or whatever. That's crazy. <laughs> I know. I we, know. It's not like we went out to dinner or anything, but no. we've known each other. No, a long no, time. no. And we were always friendly. And we did of plenty course. of gigs together. Yeah, of course we were friendly. And softball and whatever. Yeah. Softball yeah. in Boston with the fellas. Yeah, with yeah. Uh, you know, waiting for Matt Graham to lose his shit. <laughs> 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 When's Matt Graham going to ruin the game? <laughs> well, it's interesting because you had a career. I mean, we were both doing. We, I think, I met you at open mics. Mm-hmm. I must have been in college. I think the first time I saw you was probably the first time I tried to do comedy, which was probably nineteen, the summer of nineteen eighty four, maybe. Yeah, is yeah. that about when you started? Yeah, that I started a little bit before that, and I remember one of your. I remember seeing you at Sam's. That was it, the basement. Yes, and you had this joke. I don't know if you're going to remember it. I probably will. But it was a joke about you were talking about the Flemish artists. <laughs> and you said, "Where is Phlegm? <laughs> Do you remember that? No, it was. I remember. The, I always I'm, love jokes. I'm I love not, great not, jokes. I don't know if I'm proud of this one. I thought it was. I remember laughing at that, and I remember thinking, "Oh, that's a great joke." <laughs> but you know, you were always so aggravated. You were so comfortable on stage, though. I was so envious of that. I was a nervous wreck, and you were always very relaxed on stage from the very beginning. I was faking it. Well, you did a good job of faking it, though. You know, because yeah. I, I think that I was, uh, I, I think I was terrified, and and when I get terrified, I actually relax in a weird way. Yes. When I get terrified, yes. I get this paralysis, and I'm like, ugh, and I sort of surrender to it. I, I'm, I was always so envious of that, and I didn't know you were like that until you and I were driving to a gig one time in Rhode Island. Oh no! And Which it, would we were right? It was like there was like a military thing or something. Do you remember? There was like. 
It was was the, it that one with the car in the middle of the room? No, that was in that was uh, I did that one uh, in uh, Connecticut. I think there was one a couple hours out. Yes, yes, and there was another one where it was near like a naval base or right. something, and they would come. Right, and I remember you were nervous, and I was driving with you, and, and it was like I remember being like. You're nervous? Like, I was always nervous. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but I was always like, what are you worried about? You know? And but I was probably opening for you. Well, it was it was you, me, and Cybell. Cybell! <laughs> yeah. Did he pass? He did. Oh, uh, recently, he did. right? I did like a month or two ago. That's so yeah. Cool. He, was, he was great. He was great. What he, a character. I, unbelievable. No one would believe that guy. No, he's just always worked up and excited and yes. happy. <laughs> he would, and you know, he would like run the marathon and then do a 45-minute set that night. Like... Yeah. At like age 60. Like yeah. he was unbelievable. Oh, he's such a madman. He was. That, didn't he call himself that? Like the madman of Revere? Or yeah. Where, where the fuck was he from? Yeah, he was from Lynn. Lynn? Lynn, maybe? Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Newton. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so that's uh, that's not as provincial or no. weirdly regional. No, no. You, you're, you're not from like, uh, yeah, yeah. Because like the further out you get, the accent gets a little dis- well, difficult. Well, it's mine's gotten a little better since I've left but yeah 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 when i hear it like old tapes it's like oh my god but like uh which part the 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 the, the rich part uh no i mean it was uh, we were like a we were in a, a little bit over our heads in a sense <laughs> <laughs> you know i think my dad got the house in like when i was like three or four yeah so I, I don't know. I think there were rich people near us. Right, but, right. You know, right. We, you guys we, were just hanging on. Yeah, yeah. Hanging on to the illusion. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> How many kids were in the family? Uh, five. So it was a big Irish Catholic kind yeah. of deal? Mm-hmm. I'm did... in the middle of five. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, you got older brothers and sisters? Mm-hmm. Like brothers or sisters? Uh, I've got an older sister and a younger sister and an older brother and a younger brother. So I've got the complete set. And everybody gets along still? Pretty much. I mean, there's some weird baggage, but <laughs> we we can actually get together at a family event, and everyone goes, "Oh, everyone's fine." You know what I mean? It's everyone's not like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Folks, both folks still alive? Uh, no, my mom died when I was 22, and my dad died a couple of years ago. Oh, sorry, man. Yeah, yeah. So you got it. So it's got to be the siblings now. Yeah, it's all you yeah. got. Yeah. And did, would do all of them live in the Boston area still? Uh, just my younger sister. My older sister lives in San Diego. My uh, older brother lives in Fort Lauderdale, and my younger brother lives in Phoenix. Oh wow! Everyone spread out, but a couple of them are kind of close. Yeah, yeah. Well, I always thought like when I when I used to see you, I my first thought was like, well, there's Kylie. How the fuck is he in such good shape? <laughs> like, like I like I just pictured that you you did comedy and then it was pretty much the gym. That was probably that was how I pictured it. Yeah, I did do a lot of the gym in those, especially in those days. Yeah, you're like fucking ripped all the time. <laughs> oh, well, thanks. It was like you and Brian Fraser. What are those guys doing? Well, I, I don't know what Fraser's deal, but you know I. I went bald when I was 22, you know? I was like this freak, you know? So it's like I needed to do something, you know? Had to compensate? Oh, my God, absolutely. It was like, you know, I'd gone and do my act. People like, this guy is 22, you know what I mean? Like, oh, you hear murmuring in the crowd, you know? That's sad. Yeah. Really sad, bald guy. <laughs> I He's know. big, though. Be cool. <laughs> Don't fuck with him. I wouldn't make any jokes. <laughs> but what kind? What did you do in high school? Were you a jock in high school? No, you know what? Well, I mean, I I was on the baseball team, but I barely baseball, played. right? Yeah, I barely played. What, you know? on, on purpose, or you just they didn't no, put you in? No, they just didn't put me. You know, it oh. was like that kind of thing. But you, you know? were a sports guy. I that was my obsession. Yeah, I love sports. Still, and, yeah, yeah, and like my heroes are sports guys and stuff like, like that. Like who? Uh, like Bobby Orr and Yaz and, and like Boston guys like that. Bobby Orr, the hockey player, yeah. Yaz, Strimsky, the baseball player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And are there, those are the big ones when you were growing up? Yeah. Did you get yeah. to meet them? 
I did get Yaz's autograph, but just like in a pile of kids kind of thing. You <laughs> pile know of I mean? kids holding balls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that kind balls of thing. Balls hanging out. <laughs> There's a ball sign inside my ball. It was one of those? Yeah. Uh, oh. Well, what was it about that? What was it about Yaz? Well, see, I don't know anything about that because I don't have that part of my Yeah, soul. but you know, I have to say, though, I was you were always a good softball player. I remember being surprised. I can pl- oh, right, yeah. You know, just because you weren't what a sports the fucking guy. druggie does. Well, that's just it. You yeah. know, you, you were never the guy that you'd talk about the game when you'd no. go to the gig or whatever. You know what I mean? But you could play, and I was, I was like, oh. And <laughs> yeah. everyone's not like... Like Anthony Clark was good, and it was like, oh, Wait. I wouldn't. Have, you know what I mean? Like, like there are players that you didn't think, you know, right? You weren't expecting because they never talked about sports. Or well, whatever, that, well, I know? think that I'm physically, uh, you know, I have ability. Right, I right. can do shit. Right, and also we're talking comedian level. Do you know what I mean? But there were a couple of you guys that was, but you were the guy that would get up and just be like, I'm not going to get in front of that ball. <laughs> whatever that guy fucking hammers out here. Like you, you had a, you were able to, to to like hit it properly. Like you get up there and hit a ball, and like, no, oh, that's how. Guy who had really hits. <laughs> well, those, I, those are fun days, though. Didn't you know? have cleats? I think you had cleats. No, no, I didn't do Come that. On, I, no, yeah. I didn't do that. Right. No, no, I didn't want to do that. I projected that. Yeah, well, there you, were guys with cleats, but I was not a, one of the cleat kids guys. Well, that's a funny thing about like you, you know what people think about comedians and like in in a lot of the comics I talk to. Like, I think the only time we really talk about sports on this show in terms of us doing it was uh, Gary Shandling had a fairly famous basketball game. That people would play, you, you know, the, oh, the guys right, right, around so, here. Sure, sure. But it, but always had this sort of air of kind of like you got to play in the Shandling game. Like it was sure. still a networking thing. But back then, when we were in Boston, we'd all meet at that fucking field. <laughs> yeah, there'd be different levels of hangovers going on. Oh yeah, there'd absolutely. be different levels. You know, some people were smoking weed, but it was like that was like nineteen eighty nine, maybe eighty eight. Yeah. yeah. Probably yeah. 88, 89. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we'd all just go. All this like, all these gypsies and weirdos. And, would, and it was fun. It was fun. And it was an interesting. And there was even some sort of culture clash in the sense that like, there were certain comics that they worked the, the Knicks and they didn't work at Catch. But That's they right. Could, yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, it was kind of like. I know who they are. Yeah. Yeah. Because like I was one of these, for whatever reason, and uh, you were as well, um, we could work both places. Yes. I mean, it was sort of surprising that I could. It was like when I really think back on, on the type of comedy I was doing at that time for the type of audience <laughs> sure, I was doing sure. it before, I was like, I must have had some balls I never knew existed. Because we'd go right. to those fucking one-nighters. Oh, yes. oh, my God. And I'd be like, rah, rah, angry Jewish man. <laughs> and, the, and then you know, they'd take it somehow. I did all right. But I could work at Nick's. Yeah, yeah. And I found if you had a joke that worked at Nick's, which was you know downtown, and then you had a joke that worked in Cambridge, which was very PC before there was PC. Right. Then you to me, I, then you had something, you know. But you were always like uh, like jokes. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. like you're gonna be like you know let's talk for a second. I know. <laughs> I wish I'm, I I. <laughs> that's true. I just had I would go have my little jokes, and then I'd go. That's all I got. But you were so diligent. So you're right. such a joke writer, which is completely different than the than the way I work. Right. Oh yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I don't think there's many guys that do it as specifically as you. Like you know you write jokes yeah yeah like yeah. and you do it for a living now but uh in terms of like having doing monologue jokes but but back then like well, let's get back to softball let's see sure, I, sure. I, I try and remember the game i remember i hit dave cross in the eye with a ball once and that was a bad day and we weren't even playing yet <laughs> oh you know, we were just warming we just, up and you just threw it yeah we're just throwing it and he wasn't paying attention oh jeez. but it was like it used to be like it was john ennis oh me, yeah yeah you uh anthony clark sometimes mm-hmm. matt graham um dave cross sometimes bob wilson fred yeah. wilson yeah the wilson yeah. Sure brothers simply fred yeah yeah bob's past yeah r.i.p um 
Tony V sometimes, maybe. Yeah. yeah. But you went in, let's see. So so we're doing open mics in 84, 85. Yeah, I graduated in college in 83. With what kind of degree? Uh, English major. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, uh, and I started doing uh, open mics in college. What compelled you? You know, I, I wanted to be a comedy writer as a kid even like i really that's interesting not a stand-up necessarily well i i wanted to be a stand-up but i thought there was no way to do it do you know what i mean like this there's no like people don't really become like it's funny in those days you never heard about anybody who was a comedian there weren't any comedy clubs there wasn't that kind of thing when i was growing up yeah so as much as i thought about it i thought well, that's not practical. Yeah. So I thought, but I did know, sh- I knew shows had comedy writers, you know, right. I knew sitcoms had writers and stuff, and I would watch the Dick Van Dyke show, and I was like, oh, I'd like to do that, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. So I started writing jokes when I was like 13 or 14. And really? I, yeah. I had like these little note cards, and I would write my jokes and keep them in like a little, like, based, almost like a little recipe. Thing. But like based on not watching stand-up, but by watching by watching sitcoms primarily? I uh, mean, how did you know that people wrote jokes, per se? Uh, that's a good question. I think, um, I guess I just knew comics t- did jokes, you know, and I would watch Roddy Dangerfield. Oh yeah, Roddy Dangerfield, like right. Yeah, you know. That's sort of the school that you come from. Yeah, yeah, I would say that's true. Yeah. yeah. So, and I would listen, there was a show on, when I was a kid, there was a, a, a show on from Brookline, Mass. This guy did it out of his house. This guy, <laughs> Kenny Mayer, did yeah. it out of his house. and he would A radio play, show? A radio show. Yeah. And he would play comedy albums. He'd play like the whole side of an album. Right. And then he'd do his little commercials, like he'd talk and hit of his sponsors. Yeah. And it would he'd play half a Bob Newhart album or half a Bill Cosby album or whatever. Oh, so that's where he got it. And huh? I would like listen, you know, I'd be, and I was supposed to be in bed asleep and I'd have my radio and I would be listening to these comedy. And it was once a week. It was like Sunday night or something. And that was when you were like 11 or 12 or something? I was probably like 15 or something then. So that's where it went in. Yeah. Yeah, I was. I I, I love that stuff. You know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. I mean, it was so. Uh, it, what? It's such an amazing thing uh, when we were able to laugh properly. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Before we became all cynical and weird. That's true. And have to like, you, like if it's, it doesn't make us laugh, we have to go like, ah, oh, good joke. That's good. <laughs> good tag. That's true. Good tag. <laughs> Oh boy! You know my daughter gets so mad at me because I'll she'll I'll watch something with her and I never laugh. I just right. think oh that's fine. And she's that's why you're laughing. It's like no no it's good it's good yeah. it's good yeah you have to understand it's my job <laughs> yeah yeah right. it's true it's like I just <laughs> yeah <laughs> so when you st- do you ha- do you still have those note cards? I don't. I I'm sure the jokes were terrible. You really? Know? I, yeah. I imagine that they they would be. Uh, like I wonder how you you don't remember any of them. Well, I do remember there was I remember seeing actually that guy Kenny Mayer had a column on the Boston Herald. Yeah, and there was a joke about this is in 1976, so I guess I was 15, and um, I was turning 15. I remember there was a joke about that Rich Little did about uh, Ronald Reagan being an actor, and. You know, and then Gerald Ford being a stuntman. Right. Was the joke. Yeah, yeah. And I had written that same joke. Oh, yeah? And I remember him quoting this in the paper, like, what a great joke. And I remember thinking, hey, I wrote that as a 14-year-old kid. That's kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah, it made yeah. me feel like, hey, I can, yeah, I don't know. It just made me feel right. like maybe I could do this or something. So you really put you know? stuff together like that. Yeah. It's a very yeah. specific, uh, like, I like I remember when I did a pilot for Comedy Central and we were going to do a monologue and we had, you know, come up with this... Um, this wheel of topics 
that I was going to spontaneously sure. write monologue jokes for because uh, the the structure of a of a monologue joke or a one liner is you introduce one thing and then another thing and then you twist it. You know, do you do a twist? Sure, somehow, sure, right? basically. Sure. Kinda. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Absolutely. I mean, there's so, sort of different formulas, but that's definitely one. But yeah, but yeah. we had di- like all these different things on there, and I and we'd spin it twice to get the two topics, and I have to. We pre-wrote a bunch of them. Sure, sure, of course. But uh, but there is definitely a a a, a method of writing jokes that eludes me completely. If my my jokes have to happen like. The beats have to come as I'm talking. I can't write them down. Yeah, but you know what? You have that thing. I mean, you did Conan, the old show, more than anyone, right? Yeah, it was like 35 times or something. Yeah, I think I've done a total all in about 50-something, 50 That's amazing. 53. And you would go and, and it's you would have that... And some of it was a conversation, but some of it was just the illusion of a conversation. Right, you're, you're of doing course. Because right. other people would do bits, and there'd be some great stand-ups that they would do panel... And all of a sudden, they're talking about this TV commercial or something, right. and, it's, and it was so contrived that it just right, didn't. Right. It worked over there doing stand-up, right? But it didn't work on can't, the couch. Can't load it into conversation. Yeah. But you had that ability, and my, and my thing is, it's, they're just jokes, right. you know. I I I did forty-five minutes. I I, I did this. I headlined at this casino gig in Nevada just a couple weeks ago. How I, was it? It was pretty good. Yeah. I did 135 jokes. Wow. That's a lot of jokes. That's crazy. It is. Would you have it a is. guy counting them? Uh, no, I just had to, you know, I had I had to go over all my stuff. It's like in LA, you do so many short sets. I'm like, I don't even know what my 45 minutes is. You know what I mean? Oh, so I had yeah. to write everything out and, and it was that many jokes. That's kind of fascinating because if you think about people that work in that style, they, you, that must be what a, a, an hour set looks like. Yeah. I mean, you, in the, and how to string those together sounds like a chore to me. Well, it is. And it's hard to remember. <laughs> you know, if you're not doing it a lot, uh, when I did my Comedy Central's special half hour, you know, in 2006 or whatever, they have bullet points. They've got the teleprompter. Right. And I had 97 bullet points. And they're like, that's a record. And I was like, well, I don't know what to tell you. I, I, I wish I could have like three things, you know, just tell three stories and that's a half hour, you know? Right. But you know, like all those jokes you've done on stage before. I mean, yeah, it's not, yeah, yeah. It's not like you still have to, to pace them out. Right. But you have a very set sort of tone in the way you do jokes. Sure. It's slightly detached. I think if you didn't know you well at different points in your life, you'd think like, this guy seems a little crazy. <laughs> but, but not in a sort of like outward way. Like there's something going on in there. <laughs> This, this large, well-built, bald man with a kind of detached tone is sort of frightening. <laughs> like there were times where I remember, like I was like, "Wow, I wonder what his personal life's like." That guy. Well, yeah, my, my I my stuff can get darker than people. No, definitely realize. Yeah, expect. yeah, yeah. But like to do a hundred and what thirty-five? You said, yeah. Like at least I fall back. Like I when I look at a chunk of mine, that's like twelve minutes. It has it's sort of a conversation yes. that makes sense, right? And, and leads into the next thing. Sure, of course. Like I can't imagine trying to fucking line up one hundred and thirty-five jo- clean jokes at that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you're you pretty know, clean. I'm, I try to be TV clean. Yeah, absolutely. Always. Yeah, yeah. Who were the guys that, when when we were starting out up there that you you liked working with and looked up to? Well, what happened was I I was you know I was at, I went to Boston College and I'm a sophomore in college and they had a show they had a comedy show at my co- school yeah. and the first two guys I didn't really care for but Crimmins went on and I thought this guy's hilarious great jokes and I went he just had great jokes and he was and he was just doing stand up then he wasn't I mean he wasn't political at all mm-hmm. and he was just doing regular stand up but he, really really Early funny on, yeah. And I went up to him and I was like, oh, you know, I want to be a comedy writer. I wrote the show. You know, I had, still had my jokes. I mean, yeah. I didn't have them with me, but I still right. had them at home, you know. You've been writing since 15? Yeah. 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 So I had all these jokes and he was running the ding ho. So 
he invited me to, to his club and I met with him. I brought I brought like 50 jokes that I typed That's up. for the end of the bidding, hour, no? About... Yeah, this was probably like 81 or 82. Oh, so it was going strong. Yeah, yeah. And he... So he kind of critiqued my jokes or whatever and he's like, well, you can't really make money in Boston uh, writing. Yeah. You have to perform and i was yeah. like oh i could never do it. like it was too scary for yeah me. so he's like well whenever you want to come to the dingo so i would go to the dingo like once a month he would let me in for free and i would just sit at the and bar you're and underage watch the... i was underage yeah. yeah and i would sit at the bar and watch the comic and i had to take like two two subways and a bus like like inman square was like from newton from newton yeah it was just you know i had to take the green line to the red line and then i had to take a bus to get to, to inman somerville square. Yeah. yeah uh so but i would go to the shows a lot and then i took a summer school class um, taught by Dennis Leary. Really? And it was- Long-haired like, Dennis Leary when he had the braid? Uh, he didn't have the braid, but he, yeah, he was, and <laughs> it was, it was you know, coming from Boston College, we, we, you know, some of you teachers are Jesuits, you yeah. know, and then you come here and like the last, like someone would smoke pot in class or whatever, you know, yeah, I was like, what <laughs> yeah. the, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it was just such a, like- Where was he teaching that? At the adult education? Like, uh, at, uh, at Emerson, at, oh, the, Emerson, at their right. summer school thing or oh, okay. whatever. Yeah, so- So you took a, a summer class in comedy writing? It was comedy writing and they had us do stand-up. In the class. In the class. And so I do the show. And then they were kind of like, oh, well, you should keep doing this or whatever. Because you did it in class. Because I did it in class. What was that like for you? Was it it a small class? Oh, yeah, yeah. Wasn't that scary? There's like six people. But the last class, we could bring people in or whatever. Right. So there was like, that probably were 20 people or something. Was it nerve wracking? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, And, but it was exciting. Yeah. You know? And then they were like, oh, you should continue with this or whatever. So... I went to the Ding Ho the next week and I signed up for the open mic and Crimmins was the host. So I so I did that and it went great. And Crimmins gave me a great intro and all gave me a good spot and all that stuff. And then the next week I went back, it was Lenny, and I'm on at one AM and it was just <laughs> horrible. Horrible. Just like totally tanked it and it was, you know. And Lenny's like, Good try, kid. <laughs> yeah, you know. And I had some friends that came to the first one, they were like, Holy shit, that was amazing. Yeah. And then they came the next week, like, oh Ooh, fuck. <laughs> this is the real that's yeah, the reality absolutely, of it. You know. So that was the beginning. That was the beginning. The up and yeah. down. Yeah. You got I, both yeah. but you were you were hooked, I guess. I was, yeah. I mean, I, I really yeah. It was so exciting. Back then I was so filled with dread yes about going on because you know you wouldn't be able to go on every week and, you, and sometimes you'd wait weeks to do your five minutes sure. or whatever and like you know by the time you know you just spend all that time going like oh god i gotta do it oh yeah and then like like there was that one night where i just sat there all night and he forgot to put me on because he got shit faced yep. and you know i was sort of like I, I i had to say something but i was you know secretly relieved in a way oh that you know lenny one time the same thing happened to me he forgot to put me on yeah the show went and I was so like, oh, thank God. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Even though I'm here, I was totally felt that. But I remember he came up to me at That's the end. That's a weird thing, though. Is it? Go ahead. Oh, it's he totally weird. The, uh, well, he came up to me at the end. He said, "List." oh, no, you know what it was? I went back the next week. Yeah. And the list was full. For some reason, they had capped it at yeah. certain people. Right. So he goes, why aren't you on the list? And I said, well, they said it was full. Fuck it. You got fucked last week. I'll put you on. You do your five fucking minutes. You get the fuck out of here. And what, it, whatever. Like, yeah, he just yeah. said this or whatever. Yeah. So the next morning. <laughs> nice I, to hear you cuss, Brian. Well, it's just funny. He just said this like like that. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. the next morning. Did you get out of here like he had to add that and part. Get the fuck out get of here. Get the fuck out yeah. of here. <laughs> so the next morning, my friend calls me. Yeah. And I didn't realize that my mother had picked up the other end. And he's like, well, what happened? He goes, why? Well, and I just told him exactly what Lenny said. He said, Fuck it. You got fucked last week. Get the fuck on. Do your five minutes. Get the fuck out. I mean, that's how Lenny talked. Yeah. You know? So my mother's overhearing all this yeah. or whatever. And she's. So, <laughs> so my friend, she's like, What? She comes to me, What is this shit and funk 
out of you. <laughs> like she couldn't say fuck. Right, you right, know? right. But she was like appalled just yeah, to hear yeah. this. I was like, I was quoting this other guy. <laughs> <laughs> wow, so you grew up in a house that was really kind of like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah no yeah. cussing. Oh, you didn't hear it. Yeah, yeah. There no, was no, neither one of them, huh? No, I mean, my dad would driving once in a while. But right, right, but right. you never heard fox like right. you oh, know yeah. whatever. Fox are rare. Yeah, in that, yeah, in your household. Yeah, yeah, mine too, I guess. But that's it's a funny thing though that that we choose to do this thing that in, and at the beginning, like there's 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 no excitement about it. It's just a compulsion that yeah. needs to be that needs to be honored because like the idea that like the bigger relief would be like I didn't get on. <laughs> I know, and you're true. pissed about it. You have to act pissed about yes. it because you are. And part of you's pissed, but also you're so relieved, right? You know? But it's kind of weird, right? Sure. You think like, God damn it, I was so ready. Yes, I'm gonna do it. But no, that's not it. You're like, oh god, I hope the guy before me doesn't, you know, uh, you know, kill too hard. Oh, oh, all that stuff. And I remember I would Lenny had this show on Wednesday nights. Yeah. And on Tuesday at noon, I would get a knot in my stomach for like a day and a half. Right. And one, I remember one time I'm in school and it had been a Monday holiday. So mm. I'm in school, I'm having lunch and I get the knot in my stomach and I thought, today's Monday. Yeah. And then it's like, oh no, no, it is too. Like my body oh, knew, yeah, knew to have the knot, you know what I mean? Oh. Even though I was like off a day, you know? That's crazy. Yeah. And then did we do... um. What was your big break that finally got you working? Did you do the riot? Were you in the riots with no, me? No, you know what? I didn't do the riot. I think I was, I think I just, I, I, I just missed it or I wasn't around when the first one happened yeah. or something. Um, I, I who, for, who gave you the first gig? Was it Barry, Mike, or The Connection? Uh, there was this guy. Or Nick's. There was this guy uh, in, uh, somebody saw me at the Ding Ho. He had a yeah. show in, it was called Sydney's on Green Street. In Jamaica Plain, oh, and it was this little dive, and this guy did it, and it was it was almost like old sh- fashioned show business. Like he had a couple guys in the band behind yeah. him, and there's this club in JP with this probably ten people there, and he would go up, and I just the only joke I remember he would say to one guy, make sure you're you're performing, you're up here with him. Because otherwise he's playing by himself. That was his joke. <laughs> yeah, and he must have said it three times, three or four times. <laughs> right, and it didn't really work any of the times. But yeah, it's yeah. like I remember thinking, you know, you really shouldn't do the same joke in the same set. Yeah, f- like four times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But that I was—he was supposed to give me ten bucks, and he gave me fifteen. Like he was just trying to be this like nice older guy, yeah. or whatever. So that was my first real paid gig. But then I, the thing, ho, they would have me—they'd have me come in on a Saturday and just do five, right? You know, and they'd give me ten bucks. Uh, or what, 20 was, bucks. what was the structure of the show on Saturday? Was it four guys or three guys? Yeah, or? it would be like four guys, mm-hmm. and it, those guys would be all be doing twenty-five minutes, and then they'd have like a five-minute guest spot right. for me. And I remember maybe it was three guys, but I remember. My first one, I come in, I'm in the... They, they were doing shows in both rooms on Saturdays. And the acts were probably Barry and Lenny and who was around... And Kevin Meany was around and Rogerson yes. and... Um, and uh, was Stephen Wright around? DJ Hazard. Yeah, Stephen, I think he had kind of popped already by then. When De- um, But that was back when DJ Hazard was just DJ Hanard. Yes, that's true. And he had, had not become the pirate character. <laughs> that's true. He would occasionally wear dark sunglasses on stage. Yeah. But he had no, no facial hair and no, he had all his other hair. No, people develop their personas and yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he played guitar through most of it. Oh, yeah. He, he would yeah. do stand-up, but then he was would Big crush. influence on Louie, actually. Seriously, really? yeah. I really? think Ron Lynch and DJ 
You really? Know? Yeah, I think Louis would cop to that. Oh, that's interesting. You can definitely see Ron that. Lynch in Louis. Yeah, yeah. Early Louis. Yeah. Like, if you really think about early Louis when it was just, you know, sound effects and weirdness. Yes. I mean, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't, I, that's interesting. Well, no, I DJ. think what he got from DJ was that largeness for no reason. Yes, that's true. I, I yeah. wouldn't have put that together. That's so interesting. Yeah. But I remember my first Ding Ho, do, do my five minutes. I do my five minutes. It goes fine. Blah, blah, blah. I'm in the back and I'm standing next to Bob Batchelor. Bob Batch. <laughs> yes, he was a great guy. So I'm standing next to him. He had. He, he used was, to close with the signs. He closed with the signs, which would kill. Right. So he comes from. He drove up from Kentucky. Yeah. And he had been up all night or whatever. He's, yeah. He's going to go on next. He has an epileptic seizure. No. Right next to me, collapsing and and you know he'd been up all night. Because up all night and he had epilepsy. So. I called, you know, they come and they get the ambulance and they put them on the thing. So they're like, well, you've got to go on to the next room and you've got to do 20 because he's not on the show. Clearly not happening. And I don't have 20. And I'm also just totally freaked out that this guy just had this, you know what I mean? Like I almost caught him when he felt like it was like that kind of thing. Like he was staying next to me in class and they're like, all right, go next there. So I went on and did... I did 15 or 20. I have no recollection of what I saw. I, I must have just been like in oh, shock. That and was just, the baptism. Yes. That yeah. was it. What was your, what's your batch story? I've told it before. Oh, okay. We, he would just. Uh, <laughs> he, did he snap? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> he was such a great guy too, but he would snap. But he had this killer bit with the signs. Well, that was the funny thing is like, it was the whole, the whole thrust of the story was that, uh, yeah, we drove to that gig, that one that was way down in like New Britain or somewhere, that one that was near another naval base in Connecticut. It was sure. like a Barry one night or I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like a half I did a that car with Cross. Yeah. With Dave, oh, right. Yeah. So, you know, and the whole way down, he's like, I don't know how to fucking get on Letterman. You know, like, why is everyone getting, you know, how do I, you know, like just a few <laughs> sure. pure bitter. So I go do my 25 is right when I was starting out and it was about all I had, 25, 30. Sure. I did everything I had and I go to the bathroom and I come out and Batch is on stage basically yelling at the audience the same thing he was saying in the car. <laughs> you don't think I want to be on Letterman? You know, like, and it was bad. You know, it was just like and he's sure. 10 minutes in, it's a sure. nightmare and there's nine people in the place. Oh. And, you know, and in my recollection, there was someone in a wheelchair and he's yelling and and I never done this again, but I literally, I because the audience was so small, I said, hey, 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 let's, let's just... Let's just like take a take a breather. <laughs> like it was like I was a referee. Sure, sure. And I'm like, let's just, you know, let's just chill out. And, you know, and then Bob does and everything calms down. He's like, what am I going to do now? And I'm like, do the signs. Do the signs. <laughs> and the signs would kill. They would kill. Oh, my God. There was a few guys that snapped. You don't see it anymore. It doesn't really happen anymore. But it was something we all knew about because it's not in the vernacular anymore because people, they don't really, you know, I don't know if it's. Because there were so many comics, and there was more professionalism. But but seeing people snap when we were coming up, oh sure, not it was it happened. Oh yeah, yeah. Like and it was a beautiful, amazing thing. It, it was it was suddenly the show is ruined. Like the show is just <laughs> ruined, you know. And and there's always that thing of people that Jay Charbonneau oh, was a first sure. first top rate snapper. <laughs> but and it is that thing. I always picture people who are they've been hearing a lot about stand up comedy and there's comedy clubs opening right, and they right. haven't been and they go there for a show and they just, just see someone who can just it. lose their shit and yeah. It was so amazing. I'm it trying was. to think of something like Barry would do it a lot. Yeah. But he always it seemed like he had a reason. He he could snap though and get them back. Right. Which was uh, he which was miraculous. Yeah. He was one of the few people. Most people, once they snap, that's it. Yeah, you know? it's over. But he could somehow not always, but he could often win them back which was incredible yeah you know and how how does um 
Because Smigel's the original head writer. Mm-hmm. And how, how, how do you get that job on the first year of Conan? Well, you know, I, it's, I had, um, you know, I always wanted to do Johnny Carson. So that was my whole thing. It was, and I was trying to. Did you was, get on Carson? No. I got on, I got on Leno uh, like a year after Carson mm-hmm. left. So I did Leno twice, and I guess Conan saw me on one of those. Actually, well, I'll tell you. This. So, so then uh, Louis working at Conan, yeah, and Agne, Tom Agnes working at Conan, and Chuck Sklar is working at Conan. Boston guy, yeah. So somebody gets canned, so they need another somebody else to write his monologue. Yeah. So I just I just send in stuff, and at the time I, I used to do a lot of topical stuff actually for because. You know, if you, especially you're going to do 45 minutes, I'd, you know, I would write jokes about the, the Olympics or yeah. the presidential election or right. whatever was going on. So I you ty- had the joke. I had the joke. So I just typed up like 50 jokes for my act and sent them in. And they were like, yeah, okay, you start tomorrow or whatever. Right. Yeah. And the weird thing is when I was a kid, you know, I grew up in Newton and I went to this Sunday school that was at this convent in, yeah. in Brookline. Yeah. And I was in Conan's brother's class. You knew him? Yeah. You remember him. And Conan was in my brother's class. Uh-huh. So, and then my brother ended up going to Harvard with Conan. So they're both in the same year. So I'm going to the Ding Ho on Wednesdays yeah. in Cambridge. And I, my brother's at Harvard. And I would go and have dinner with him. And then I would go do the show at the Ding Ho. And that was like my every Wednesday. And was he friends with Conan? No, like they knew each other. And right. He, and Conan was writing for the Harvard Lampoon. Right. And he would sometimes go, oh, remember that guy Conan? And he would give me like the Harvard Lampoons and I'd read stuff that, humor things that Conan had in this thing. So I kind of That's was aware of him. Yeah. But was he that aware of you? Oh, no, no. He was. I mean, he knew who I was. Right. Um, but and was, he knew your brother. Yeah, and he knew my brothers. But, but he... Barely knew, you know, right. and, and I would have walked past him on the street. Like I wouldn't have known what he looked like or anything. Like right. That. But I kind of, you know, when you know somebody growing up, but then you see their name on a SNL or you see their name on Simpsons, yeah. it's, it's kind of like they're in the major leagues. You kind of aware right. who they are. And you also, know? like, it, does it seem more possible for you? Or at that time, had you given up on your TV writing dream and you just saw yourself as stuck in stand up? Well, I did. I did see. I, I would kind of. I would still write like a spec script, for like a Cheers episode or something. Oh, you like did that? that. I would try yeah. to do that kind of thing. And did you send them out, or did you have representation? Or you no, just wrote, I had nothing. You're and just, they went nowhere. And you know, it was you know, and I'm sure they were bad. It's uh, a, it's a hard, weird feeling that like because I didn't really have those aspirations. You know, when I was doing stand up, I just wanted to be a stand up. Sure. But I, I have to assume that, you know, after what, like uh, like six, seven years in the business and you're doing all those stand up gigs to have that moment where you're like, I guess this is it. Right. Sure. I, I You know, I, it's funny. I, I I sort of naively thought things would work out. I, I, I'm not, when I look back now, okay. you know, when I was, you know, I got married at 30 and my in-laws were totally cool with it or whatever. You're just a stand up. I'm just a stand up. And now, what'd she do? Your wife? She's a does computer consulting, mm-hmm. and so she's got a good job, and she works was working for Price Waterhouse at the time, and she yeah. was making a good living. And I had my little meager income <laughs> going you know? out working in nightclubs, absolutely. And just to think that it's like, really, I got married, and I had this. I was I had I don't know where I had the. She must have had a vote yeah. of confidence. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And you guys stay together. And I think now it's like, what were you thinking? <laughs> you, you know. And what were your parents? <laughs> have thinking? you ever asked? Why them? were your parents okay with that? Well, they you they know? just want their kid to be happy. I on guess some so. Level. Yeah. But yeah. did you ever ask her that? Well, yeah. She's like, oh, they like. She's like, yeah. My parents always thought you were great, and where I I thought. If it had been the other way around, like if my 
sister brought a comic home and yeah. whatever was getting married my parents would be like what the f-? you know what yeah, I mean? like yeah, yeah. i don't think they'd be on board you right know? but you're a good guy i i i you know solid i guess that you know i, I don't know I, I i don't know what to tell you so you get the gig now this is the thing that always fascinated me is that i remember because i was doing the show by then mm-hmm. a couple times a year and i saw you i was happy to see you i'm always happy to see you over there and uh and and then like you lived with todd berry i did yeah. for what in my mind was a decade <laughs> it's it seemed like a decade well you know this is what happened. But it was like it wasn't but you were never there like uh, right. you know, you'd go to todd's house like yeah brian's in that room yeah like that's... down this hallway so like is he ever here but like you like it was always sort of impressive to me and i always wanted to ask you like did you not think it was going to work out because by then you had a kid right well th- yeah what happened I, here's the thing i yeah. the start the show and the show was very shaky right and people don't remember how you know it just seemed like it was going to be this temporary thing and i get this job and i said to my wife well I'll go do this for 13 you weeks. You own a house up there? Weeks. Yeah. Oh, in- So we had a house in, in, in Newton. Yeah. In, in Auburndale. We had like a little starter home, you yeah. know? And it was like, well, I'll go do this for 13 weeks. Yeah. Put a little money aside and then, you know, maybe save a little bit of money or whatever. Do you whatever. have kids at that time? No. Uh-huh. So, and every day you'd be reading the paper about who's going to replace Conan. <laughs> you know? I mean, literally, you'd be reading the, the New York Post, the right, Daily News, right. like, well, Conan's gone off, of course, because yeah. it's like, who's going to replace him? And it was like, oh, shit. And one time where I'm in the office with Agna, our assistant, uh, our accountant comes in. She's like, okay, you guys have two computers, a TV. He's like, oh, they take an inventory. We must be going off the air. They had to call a meeting of the show and go, no, they take inventory once a year. We're not going off the air. Like, that's how shaky it right. was, you know? So, and I, and I only had 13-week contracts at a time. Every 13 weeks, you'd have to wait and get the thing in the mail, like, okay, you've been picked up. Right. So, you didn't know if you're going to be canned or right. whatever. And my wife had... My wife had this great job, but she was making twice as much as me. Right. So people are like, well, you should move to New York. It's like, well, not, not really. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, it yeah. seemed. So it's more like I should stay home, and she, I don't know. Yeah. So, but it went on too long going back and forth. But they also. What would you do? You you you'd come down on a Monday morning. I would come. Well, in the beginning, I'd come down on a Monday morning. Yeah. I'd take the Delta shuttle, and then I'd come back on a Friday night. And in those days, you could just get on the plane at six twenty-five and get on this, get there at six twenty-five and get on the six thirty plane. You right. Know? But then when I had a kid, they let me work from home like two days a week. Oh, really? One or two days a week. Yeah. So like you could stay like Friday through Tuesday. Yeah, I would. I would show up Tuesday morning, and then I would go home Thursday night. Uh-huh. And so it was, you know, or you know, depending. So and also we got like ten weeks off. So. Right. And then I would, then I was just home with my kid, you know. So you have two now. I have two, yeah. yeah. So it kind of went up, but for a while I was living with Todd, which yeah. was kind of hilarious. Yeah, and, I can't imagine that. Well, he. How did that happen? Um, I think I think maybe through Kozlowski. I don't remember. Somebody uh-huh. said, you know, Todd needs a roommate or something. I remember his first roommate actually vaguely. They knew each other from Florida, I think. And then he had that room down that weird... That, yes. And it was not a great apartment. No, no. But he had this little hallway yeah. and there's this room there. It's like a bunk bed in there or something. Yes. It Platform was like, bed. It was, yeah, it was. And it was like it was like up on a... It was like this raised thing. Yeah, you had to kind yeah. of crouch under it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like like you couldn't... if You know, you had to lie flat. Like you'd, you'd bump your head. Up. If you, could, you couldn't sit up. You couldn't sit up in it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I was there like three nights a week or four yeah. nights a week. And he was he was out till like two a.m. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. So I'd come in, I'd do a set, and then I'd but I'd only do like the early show, an early show, and yeah. then I'd be in because I had to. Write, one thing I learned was if I got in at one a.m., 
got a shitty night's sleep and I had didn't get jokes on the next day. It's like, what am I doing? You know, because I'm doing a set in front of eight people and whatever. Right, at Boston so, Comedy Club? Yeah, that kind of yeah, Exactly. Yeah. So I was like, all right, let me be in by, you know, go to bed at 11, do whatever. So I didn't see him that much, but I didn't have anything. I just had like this mattress on that, the Rays thing. And how many years did you do that? Well, I did that, well, I guess I did that for a year or two. That was it? Well, yeah. And then I did, then I roomed somebody else for a while. Another comic? Uh she was a, it was a woman who did improv. Oh. And I didn't see her either. I mean, yeah. she was out doing, you know. But I remember with Todd's Place, I had nothing. Yeah. And at night, I would go in the bathroom and I would, that was the only place I had the light. So I'd put the toilet seat down and I would just sit on top and I had the light from, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I would just sit there. And, and it's the kind of thing, I still do that, like, when my kids, we'd go to a hotel. Yeah. And my kids and my wife, they'd go to bed at nine o'clock. Yeah. Well, I can't watch TV or whatever. I just go in the bathroom, put the toilets down and read. You know, I, I've done that like a hundred times. So I would do that in Todd's room. So every once in a while, he'd come home. Yeah. And he'd knock on the door and I'd have to, I'm like, oh, sorry, because <laughs> he needed to use the bathroom right. and I'm in there reading. So finally, my wife came and she's like, why don't you just get a lamp and a, she just got me a lamp and a chair. It's like, here, you can sit in your room. And- <laughs> That's so funny as comics, just like these basic things are like, oh. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm so You can like, just go buy a lamp. Get something for myself. Like, yeah. I'm kind of like, ah, oh, fuck it, I'm fine. Right, because you, know you came over here and you're like, it's a nice house because some comics, I don't know, man, they just live in <laughs> <No>. these hovels. <laughs> it's true though. We, yeah. We, like, I don't, if it weren't for women in my life, I'd be living out of milk crates on a futon. Oh, I, uh, you know, all my clothes, uh, everything, it's yeah. like- I, yeah. Now with the clothes, yeah. I wouldn't have clothes if I didn't have a TV show. Like I just, the wardrobe sort of like, you want these shirts? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I have four shirts. I'm glad you got my style so nailed. I, I, I know. It's it's, it's kind of crazy. It's true. These books I've been carting around forever. Well, that's, and that's the thing. That's what she gets mad at. It's like, you know, I have all these books and it's like, you know, the Kindle, it's like, it's like $15 for a Kurt Vonnegut book right. that I can get for a buck at a used bookstore. Why would I, you know what I mean? Oh, really? So it's like, I love having that kind yeah, of books. stuff. Oh, I've got, I've so got books on the, yeah. I don't do the Kindle either, but I've, yeah. I've, I've done it on planes now. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I travel a lot yeah. and I used to travel with two or three books. I wouldn't even read, yes. but I'm like, I'm going to get to this on the plane. I, I would do that all the time. And every once in a while, there's like a long layover and you're like, good thing I brought these three books. You know? Yeah, yeah. But most of the time, it's like, I don't have time to get to all this. No, yeah. you're just traveling with books yeah. and they're heavy. <laughs> they're heavy. I know. So you had no experience in doing what you, you got this job to do. Yes. And what, what was the learning curve really? I mean, is it just sort of like, here are the, you know, sit and write jokes. Do you know yes. the guy? Well, you so, know what? I, I I was fortunate in a couple of things in the sense that it didn't take me long. To, I got his voice almost right away only because we had similar sensibilities. Like, right. He's from this big Irish Catholic family. I'm from this big Irish Catholic family. And we did the map quest one time and it was f- exactly four miles from his house to my house. Uh-huh. So, but there was just in terms of sometimes somebody would write a joke that's just too dirty. Right. And I'd be like, oh, I... I and I'd feel uncomfortable del- del- delivering it, you know? And he'd be like, yeah, I can't do that. It's too graphic or whatever. Because oh, you would have to tell him all the jokes? You were the head monologue guy, basically? Well, no, not at that time. We would just we would just, we would would just, just give him the jokes. And oh. sometimes somebody would push for one that's like, that he, I could tell he felt uncomfortable. Right. And I felt, it's like, I would, t- do you know what I mean? So right, I, kinda, right. I didn't write jokes like that. Like, I kind of wrote jokes that were in his wheelhouse for the most part, right. you know? The only thing I had to do was there would be like a wordplay joke that I would think is a clever joke. Yeah. And he hated that. And it right. was, I had to learn like, oh. He doesn't like wordplay. He doesn't like that wordplay. Yeah. So I kind of, and I got, and I stopped doing that for my act just because I got so used to not doing that. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, yeah. I mean? But that was something that I liked at the time and yeah. thought, oh, okay, well, this isn't, this is clever or whatever. Yeah. It's like, no, it's corny. It's like, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. Yeah. So, uh, 
yeah, so I, I I was able to kind of write for him pretty quickly. I, I used to love when I'd co-do the show because I'd be usually like the second guest. Sure. But it'd be funny, like all you monologue guys would hover around the monitor to see if your jokes oh, yeah. worked. <laughs> well, that's just it. There are times where it tanked. I remember one time, you know, the, the monologue just tanked it one night. Yeah. So the next day he comes to my office and he's like, how do you feel <laughs> when you send me out there with that shit? <laughs> And I said to him, I said, you know, in the, in, in the movie Rear Window, yeah. you know, Jimmy Stewart's got the two broken legs and he's looking out the window and he thinks that Raymond Burr has killed his wife. Yeah. So he sends his girlfriend, Grace Kelly, into his apartment to look around and Raymond Burr comes home. Yeah. And he's watching, helpless. Yeah. yeah. And Raymond Burr starts manhandling her. I was like... That's how I feel <laughs> when the monologue is going. You know, you're just helplessly watching him Did being beaten out. There. Oh yeah, yeah. But you're just like, oh no, he's going down. You know? <laughs> and now, I mean, he's gotten he's gotten up where he's able to learn to deal with he it. He can save himself. Yeah, but at the t- you know, but in those days he re- it was. He looked so no- terrified at the beginning. Oh yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, it was- well, can you imagine doing? You're, you you have not, never done stand-up before, and it's on national television? Yeah. Like, like, my, you know, if my open mics were on TV or whatever, it's like, oh, that's yeah, no, I, I definitely felt for him. Oh, God, you know. And were you a big Carson fan? You were? I was, yeah. Yeah. He was great, right? He was great. He, he was great. Yeah. yeah. I, I, it's so funny to see who learned from him and who didn't necessarily. You know? Like, when you would go to the Museum of Broadcasting, mm-hmm. could, well, back when you had to do that, you get like these four-hour blocks, sure, where you'd have to, you know, and you have to sign up for something. They had yeah. to go find it somewhere, yeah, yeah. And they'd assign you a little cubicle, and you'd I, have to wait. I loved for... it. What'd you go watch? I would watch. I would watch like the Jack Parr show. I, I would watch like Woody Allen doing stand-up on TV. It's exactly what I watched. Uh, and the Richard Jack Pryor. Parr. There was some yeah. part about the Jack. Like there was some like Jack Parr had this reputation as the guy. Yeah, sure. Who would just sort of shoot the shit. Mm-hmm. You know, when he was it tonight was it the Tonight Show that he hosted or was it another show? The Jack I, Parr I th- show, I think. Right, but I th- well I th- I think it was the It I was mean, the Tonight Show. I think early so. On. Yeah. I don't know what the I think But so, I remember yeah. going to watch Jack Parr. I remember going sure. to I watched uh Woody Allen's um uh, NBC variety show. Oh, I didn't see that. I would have liked to with see Billy that. Graham I, on there. Oh, I didn't know about that. I yeah, they, he that. had Billy Graham out. Oh my god! And oh, you watched the Richard Pryor show? I, well, I watched Richard Pryor do stand up on Jack Parr or something, and I watched. I would watch Woody Allen do stand up on Jack Parr. You know, right? That was just to see them come out and do their sets as sort of unknown comics. Yes, yeah. fascinating. You know, and I'd see, uh, you know, Bob Newhart. Yeah. You know, guys like that doing mostly stand up. Then I did. Did you watch? Him. Did you watch? I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. No, did you watch that? Uh, I used to watch Jonathan Winters on Jack Park. Oh yeah, yeah. Course, Unbelievable. It's too much, man. Yeah. Unbelievable. But uh, and even watching Jack Park's monologues, there'd be some jokes where you're like, we'd do that joke. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like we'd do that joke today, and it, it's like you know, it wouldn't be Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton, but we'd do it about. Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie or whoever, you right. know what I mean? It's like with the same structure, we'd still do that joke. Well, you know? I think the structure remains for yeah. better or for worse. Yeah. So, okay, so you're there and you finally, do you ever move the family? I did, yeah, yeah. We moved to, to New West York? Mm-hmm. We moved to West Oh, you Chester. did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she kept, a, she got her job? At- well, she, well, this is kind of what happened. I was going back and forth and then, um, well, what, you know, we, we started getting nominated for Emmys. Yeah. So one year we get nominated for an Emmy and- my wife's family lives out in, like her sister and her brothers were living in Southern California. Right. And her parents are going to be visiting. She said, well, why don't I go out a few days early with the kids, see my family, and then you come out on the weekend and we'll go to the Emmys. So we're going to go. So she makes all the arrangements and 
a week before my daughter gets a hernia. So she has to have hernia surgery. And then the doctor's like, you know, I he can only take them out on that Tuesday for whatever reason. I, I can't remember if he was... I didn't take her. It was my wife did. So I don't remember it was at the hospital. He was either only at the hospital on Tuesdays or only in his office on Tuesdays. But anyway, he had to take it on Tuesday. So my wife had to change the flight. So, you know, it's, it's so it turns out it was 9-11. Yeah. So they were booked on that flight 11, on 9-11, but because of her hernia, they pushed it back a day. So we had to, you know, change our flight and whatever. So it was kind of, uh, you know. Wow. Yeah. So... So both my wife and I'm sorry, my both my kids and my wife were booked on that 9/11 flight. Oh my flight god! 11. So, and I went to the airport that morning. I was flying out to to New York. I was going to go to take the Delta shuttle to fly to to, to Conan. And I get there, and they're like, "Oh, there's a plane crash, so there's a delay." So I'm just got the USA Today, and I'm at the Dunkin' Donuts, and I'm writing my, my jokes, jokes, you know. And then the other one crashes, and it was like, "Oh shit!" And then they close the airport and send us home. But I. I didn't realize what was going on, you yeah. know. And I'm in the cab, and the guy is saying that the the tower has come down, and I'm think, well, they don't mean the building. There must be a tower on top of the building, like it's right, like a radio right, tower right, yeah, on top yeah. of the building. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like talk about denial. It's yeah. like you know. And I get home, and my wife, she's like, "That was our flight. That was you know." Like when I left that morning, she's like, "Oh, it's too bad we all couldn't go to the airport together as planned." Oh you know? My God. So I know, I know. So. It was really crazy. And you that's know? what drove you to move? Well, what happened was then it became- You were one of the few people that moved to New York. That's yeah, true. Yeah. But it, it became hard to- I, I couldn't just get to the airport and get on the flight. You know, it became right, like a practical. giant hassle. Yeah. And then she was unhappy with her job. So it was like, once she quit her job, it's like, well, what are we doing? Yeah. You know? So she moved to New York and then we lived in Westchester for several years. Right. And my kids loved it there, actually. And then, uh, and then we moved out when Conan moved out. So yeah. you- there was a so you're you're like uh, Conan's basically you're the you've probably been there the longest. This one guy was from the very beginning. Who uh, this guy named Michael Gordon? He's uh, not a monologue guy though. Right. And he and I share an office. And uh, veterans. Yeah. Yeah. But you've been through Dino. And, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And every all the guys oh, that was, came through. This. Oh yeah. And it's unbelievable. Who like, are some of the people? Like Odenkirk well, was there. Know, Odin, wasn't he? Bob Odenkirk was there. Although he was working, he was mostly living in LA yeah. and with send and stuff. Oh. But Dino was in town, right? Dino was in town. Oh yeah. It and must have been crazy times. Dino was crazy. And he was so he's so funny. But But just, he was there at the beginning with you, he was right? He was there at the beginning. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, Louie. Louie. And you know, Smigel and, and those, you know, it was but the sketch guys would be there till two in the morning or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um it's hard to make that ridiculous shit perfect. Yeah. Yeah, and especially we didn't know what we were doing, yeah. you know what I mean? We were kind of finding so our there way. So there, there, is there always sort of like, a, a, not a wall, but like, you know, the monologue guys are the monologue guys yeah. and the sketch there guys. Is a, yeah, there always has kind of been that. And you yeah. guys just sit there hammering out jokes and occasionally poke around and go like, can you tag this? Yeah. Here's a setup. <laughs> yeah. Do you do that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And there's also, there's, and it's like, does this work? Or it's like, I'd say it like this or that kind of thing, yeah. you know? But. Like we would do, they started having us go do shows four days a week and give us one day to, which was a break. And then we would work on year 2000s or, or yeah. other stuff or sketches. Stuff that stuff. you could feed jokes into yeah, that yeah. were established desk yes. pieces. Yes, absolutely. Oh, okay. Yeah. I wrote a, 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 a real joke recently about getting, I got a sonogram of my heart, mm-hmm. you know, to see. Yeah. You know, yeah I got yeah. a son and I'm, and I'm proud to say it's a girl. <laughs> Great. Thank I love you. it. <laughs> 
<laughs> love it. So you, is your health okay? You yeah, look yeah, great. Yeah, good, good, I'm, good. I'm okay. Yeah, good, well, good. cholesterol's a little high, but uh, it's genetic, Well, I've been following with the show, so oh, I know Well, thank you. I appreciate your yeah. concern. So let's talk about the transition and the panic of, uh, so, you know, you get The Tonight Show. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be writing for, you know, what Carson oh, yeah, used yeah. to host. Yeah. That must have been, like, amazing. Well, it was. It was weird in that there was this, you know, it's 2004, and they call a meeting in the show, and Conan said, I just got off the phone with NBC, whatever. I'm going to be hosting the Tonight Show. I'm going to take over the Tonight Show in 2009. <laughs> so here it is, this five year, And it's a little <laughs> bit like someone saying, five years from now, <laughs> on... May 31st, I'm going to yeah. come to your house and punch you in the face, yeah. you know? And you're like, okay. We I'll got, put it in the calendar. We got this thing that's going to, you know what I mean? And you're kind of working towards that. Yeah. You know, so it was just, it was crazy how long we were waiting for this thing, you know? You must have put it in the back of your brain, though. I mean. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, and my son really wanted to stay in New York. And How old is he now? He He just turned 20. He's a sophomore in college. Wow. Yeah. And he... You know, in our little town, we were a town of 5,000 people. He knew all the kids. It was, yeah. you know. How old was he then? So he was. He was 13. Oh, so that's a tough time. Yeah. It's a tough time to move, yeah. you know. Uh, and where my daughter went to school with a lot of mean girls, she was kind of like, okay, Great. let's get on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. So, and it was just like, it was just tough where it was a tough transition for him. And then she embraced LA right away you what, know? what part of town you live in uh, Studio City oh okay that's good yeah. and that's where you started right away you got a house right out of the gate yeah we did and we thought you know we thought we were going to be working at the Tonight Show for 20 years or right. whatever you know and it's like it's like people are like the traffic is bad make sure you get someplace close to work and right. it's all that kind of stuff so um, you know little did we know in seven months it would, be, it would be out of there you know what was it like when he started writing on the on the Tonight Show and everybody was excited it, what, how many weeks was it before you were like, oh, we're fucked? Well, I have to say that it was tremendous pressure. And and even though we, you know, when I first started at Conan, he did like four jokes in the monologue. Yeah. And you'd get two jokes on and be like, hmm, yeah. doing all right, you yeah. know? And then he slowly got a little, started ramping it up a little bit, but he never did more than say seven or eight. At the, the, old, what, the old show. At the old yeah. show. So the, with the new show, The Tonight Show has this long tradition of having a long monologue. So he'd want to do like 13 to 15 jokes. Right. So you went in all day and you never looked up and you just wrote, you know, you're writing 50 or 60 jokes a day. Yeah. And I had to knot my stomach every day. Like, like back in the old days. Yeah. Yeah. I really went home. And I, you know, in New York, if we had a good day, he's picked a bunch of jokes. I'd give my dad a call, see how he's doing or whatever. He was right. in Florida or whatever. Where... This, you know, plus it's the East Coast. Like, I'd get home, I'd, I'd write all day. There's no t- time to t- call him any any day. We never yeah. had a good day. Right. You know, we never yeah. had an easy day. We could relax. And I'd get home at 738. It's like, well, I can't call him. You know, he's been in bed for two hours. Right. You know? But it was just, I was like a dish rag at the end of every day. Yes. Yeah. It, it was so much pressure and so much stress. So even though we took a hit financially and we're not as, you know, as relevant a show now or whatever because we're not on the network, but- Personally, it's a lot less stress. It's actually a lot more enjoyable night, and and I think the show is much more fun than the than the. Oh, show definitely. Fun, but like, know? how like all the way through the stress was happening, and then when you actually got taken off the air, well, it must have been devastating. For oh everybody. yeah, yeah, yeah. I absolutely. Mean, I mean, we were all crushed, and and you know, I I remember, but. Two weeks after we got kicked out, yeah, or he left, whatever. I guess I mean he basically said he didn't want to do the twelve oh five show, and so he 
So he didn't really, he didn't get fired. He, he told you first? Um, did, he, did he let you guys know? Yeah, yeah. The decisions he that was he making? He did. And he decided, he's like, you know what? I don't want to be treated like this, so I'm, I'm, I'm out of here, which I, I understand. So, but it was suddenly, it's like, you know, I moved my family across the country. My wife wasn't working. Uh, we bought a house. We put our kids in these two private schools, and now we're fucked. You yeah. Know? And I remember there was about two weeks later, there was an earthquake, and it was at like three in the morning. Oh, no. And I'm wide awake. Like, I, I probably started at four in the morning, but at three in the morning, I'm wide awake. Yeah. So I'm sitting there, just lying in bed, like, what am I going to do? Right. And then this earthquake happens. And the next day, people are like, oh, that earthquake woke me up, whatever. And I felt like... Oh no, I'm I'm wide awake waiting for it, you know. And I'm, I'm mem- living in a yeah. earthquake. <laughs> yeah, and I do remember when the thing when it first got the news that this hat was we were getting pushed off the air, or whatever. I, I think I was just in shock for yeah. like a week. I, right. I, I people were crying and people and I had no reaction whatsoever. And then my wife's birthday is a week later. We go out to dinner with this other couple and they're talking and they start talking about it. And all of a sudden, it just hit me. Yeah. And I don't think I said a word for an hour and a half. Like, we're just having dinner, and all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, fuck. We're not on the air <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. And they're all talking, whatever, and I'm just, like, in my own world, like, it's over. Um, it's over, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh. Oh. But it was it was reported that, you know, Conan, like, covered everybody for a little while. Well, he he did, although he didn't, that, the writers weren't part of that, because we kind of had our own deals. Right. So I still had, I was still getting paid for, for NBC for, a few, you know, for a few weeks after that. Right. And I had taken this writing class in the fall and I would write I wrote what I thought was a short story right and then the teacher's like well that's not a short story that's the first chapter of a novel and I was yeah. like oh it is so the next week I'd bring in the next chapter but I didn't know where it was going you know? right so when this happened I was like you know what I'm gonna work on my book I, I needed to do something and we have know? the book we have the book yeah the thanks. book has happened yeah the book the, happened the, the astounding misadventures of Rory Collins yeah, started at the bottom you were at the bottom I was at the bottom yeah so that actually helped me through that period because, this book yeah it really, because I, I didn't want to sit and be unshaven and sit in sweatpants all day. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So I got up. Regressed to comic status. Yeah. I, <laughs> so I got up, I showered every day, I shaved, and then I would go write for like three or four hours. And just having, I think I need structure and having that something to do carried me through that, you know? And I imagine that, that writing something like this book is, uh, it was new to you. Totally. New. Yeah, absolutely. And I love to read and I love, but it was... So liberating to actually have characters and have a story and say fuck yeah. <laughs> and you know do stuff you and know also that that exciting sense of discovery yes. of writing a book like to, to sort of like see like I do have an imagination yeah it's, it's yeah. a narrative one yeah so that was really what's it about exactly <sighs> it's about this young guy who has he sort of has this crazy mother he's got yeah. this sort of insane childhood and he's very passive. And he he's in college. He loses his virginity with this woman, this pretty yeah. woman. And then her roommate is in the bathroom crying because it's like, oh, everyone always wants to sleep with her and not me because she's not a child. So he ends up having sex with the other one too, yeah. whatever. Which actually, this happened to a friend of mine. Oh, it did. Yeah. <laughs> so that story always stuck in my head. Yeah. And then suddenly that woman started bringing her, her lowly friends to him. To, to lose their virginity. And he was like this passive guy who's just sort of, and all of a sudden, he's having sex with like the dregs yeah. of the, can, you know? Yeah. And, and then it just leads, like he, he's, his passiveness sort of gets him in trouble and, and, right. yeah, and that's sort of the story, I guess. And does it yeah. end well? 
Uh, I don't want to give away the ending. Yeah. But it's actually much... It's pretty dark. Yeah. Um, Finally. You know, I... The go, real Kylie comes true, out. You know, you go in a room by yourself and it's all like, it's super dark and it's yeah. sort of... And you, and you come out like, wow, yeah. <laughs> what did I think? <laughs> I had no idea that was inside. Yeah, me. boy. Yeah. Yeah, that was... <laughs> did you finish the book in the interim between the shows? I did, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I had to rewrite it when I was But that's sort of interesting that this was, you know, your, your, your way of managing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You didn't absolutely. go out and look for other TV jobs. No, no, and I did. I did do some stand up, but I didn't. Uh, yeah, I didn't because you know I didn't. How, qu- I how quickly after the um, the NBC uh, show going away was Conan starting to talk about the negotiations for a show with the writers? Um, that's a good question. I you know we got we were off in January, and then I think we came back in September. And then we so it must have been a, like at least a, was probably pretty quickly after that you were informed that maybe there was going to be something. Yeah, he. I mean, he had told me that he would put me on. You know, he would hire me on his new thing, but right. we didn't know if he hadn't was getting a new thing. Right. So there was about a six month period of like. And he wrote the book. Yeah. It's amazing how things that you might not have ever gotten to- That's true. Happen yeah, in the darkest true. times. That's why this podcast happened. Really? Sure. Yeah, I had nothing going on. I'd just been divorced twice. I was broke. And you know, this was born out of that, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Was the podcast your idea? Yeah, we, yeah. we you know, I just, we'd lost a job uh, at Air America again. We were doing a oh, streaming yeah. video show and- me and my producer were like, let's try this thing. Let's do it. Let's just commit to a couple of days. That's and, great. Yeah, but it was definitely the darkest point of my oh, life. Oh, yeah. yeah. Horrible. Yeah. I had no idea what what my future was because I didn't prepare. Sure. I'm not a writer, TV writer. Oh, sure. Well, you just, it's true. It's But it's funny, though, when you read biographies of famous people, you see people and you think, oh, wait, that that art, you know, that famous artist was really starving and he was, fu- whatever, right. you know. Right. It's, the starving artist thing's real. Yeah. It, it's it, like, it may not yeah. be literally not being able to eat. Right. But certainly right. not with many prospects. Yeah. And no yeah. real choices in your mind. Yeah, absolutely. So you get the, so the new show starts and uh, it must have been very exciting to have the freedom and have the support of the network. And oh, like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, and plus, you know, it's weird. We can actually swear sometimes. It's, it's just looser. Like we're also, it, we're kind of just doing the show for our fans as opposed to trying to win over middle America or older people right, or right, whatever, right. all these things yeah, we're yeah. trying to do on the tonight show, you know, and the audience is holding pretty well. He, you know, he has a real lo- loyal following. And also we have a lot of people watching, you know, on their phones sure. or on the computer the yeah. next day, that kind of stuff. You know? And are you going to work today? I am. Yeah. Yeah. What time you got to be there? Well, I told him I'd be a little late because I'm doing Marin. <laughs> they oh, we, don't have, we, we don't have a show today, so that's... Right. And he, yeah. let, he let it slide? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, plus Sweeney's taking his kid to college, so it's kind of worked out perfectly. Oh, Sweeney's yeah. been there a long time, too, now. Yeah. Because I've known, like, I knew... Well, I didn't know Smigel, but, you know, John Groff had his first writing job for me. Oh, oh, that's... Well, on Comedy Central? Yeah. And was you and Cinderella were doing it, right? That was and, his first writing And job. Cinderella was on the show with yeah, him. Yeah, right? he was my uh, yeah. my sidekick, yeah. kind of. Yeah. yeah, it's sort of funny, but Groff went on to be the head writer of Conan. Yeah, now he's- But now he's busy, right? Now he's running that uh, uh, blackish. blackish. Yeah, yeah. I did. I had I had breakfast with him, like brunch with him like a couple months ago, but he I, he is super busy, yeah. And yeah. the book is out, right? Yeah. yeah the Astounding Misadventures of Rory Collins. Brian Kiley, great talking to you. Thanks, buddy. That was great. It was great seeing Brian. Great talking to him. A lot of stuff in there. You go to WTFPod.com for all your merch. You want to buy some posters or things WTF related for Christmas presents. 
go there and do it. Get on the mailing list. I'll write you an email every week. I'm so tired. I hope it didn't read. I hope you didn't hear the tiredness. I have to go back to work now and and work on my show. Uh, I'm not going to play guitar today because I have to run. But, uh, But I will do this. Boomer lives! (laughs) 